0: Welcome and welcome to The Hot Seat. Today we're here with Ali Cerrone, Research Fellow in the Department of Government to discuss post-truth politics. Thanks for joining us, Ali. Thank you for having me. First of all, what is post-truth politics?
1: Well, first of all, we know that both information and misinformation have always played a large role in politics. Um, putting a political spin on information is nothing new. Um, and also, we're very used to seeing what I call sensational statistics. So presenting actual evidence, but maybe in a selective or misleading way. However, lately, as in the cases of both the Brexit campaign and the US presidential election, we're increasingly seeing the use of political falsehoods, um, blatant untruths, incorrect information in political campaigns. Um, as a result, Oxford Dictionary's word of the year it was recently announced to be post-truth. Um, now they define post-truth as a, a context where um, objective facts are ignored in favour of um, appeals to emotional or personal beliefs. Um, so essentially fear trumps fact.
0: And what role did post-truth politics play in the UK's EU referendum and this year's US presidential election?
1: Okay, so let's take the presidential election first. Um, Objectively, Donald Trump um, is one of the most dishonest candidates in um, American history. Um, And we know this from uh, empirical analysis. So uh, PolitiFact did an analysis of the campaign statements he used throughout the campaign and found that 15 percent of them were true or mostly true. Um, That's serious. Uh, in addition, members of his party called him a pathological liar. Um, but the, the interesting thing about the U.S. case is that the more Trump lied, the more attention he received um, and the more media press he got. Um, similarly, in the case of the Brexit campaign, the Leave campaign in particular, a lot of the campaign rhetoric focused on untruths. In particular, one of the main campaign slogans, the fact that the UK was sending 350 million pounds to the EU. That was untrue. That wasn't just misleading, it was untrue. Um, And in both the US and the the UK cases, there were experts on hand to try and dispel these facts, Um, but no one seemed to listen. And and even now, the Leave campaign faces legal action for some of the information presented, um, the fact that it was untrue. Now, in both cases, I think it's important to note that the outcomes are a result of much larger political factors. Um, Information only played a role. Um, But what we can see from both cases is that uh, political falsehoods fire up voters. Um, They get attention, particularly in the media, which is why politicians keep using them.
0: It would appear then that in some cases voters are fooled by untruths or are almost ignoring them. Is this the case, and if so, what other factors are affecting people's voting choices?
1: So that's a good question, and there are a lot of factors. Um, On the voter side, uh, political science tells us we know that um, voters are myopic. Um, It's costly to acquire information about campaigns. Um, We also know that people tend to seek out information from sources that are ideologically similar uh, to themselves. Um, And, you know, there's a general perception that voters' minds are hard to change. Uh, But there's a lot of interesting research being done on how the media affects voters' perceptions um, and some hopeful research, I think. Um, a recent series of papers by Porter, Wood, Nyhan, and Reifler, um, they've, they've examined what happens um, to individuals who hold false beliefs um, uh, when they're presented with correct information. So, if I believe something incorrect and I am corrected, uh, do I update my beliefs? And um, a series of great papers have found that yes, it is true. So, uh, people will update their beliefs with, when presented with correct information. Um, also, in terms of of uh, studying social media, uh, particularly Twitter, how Twitter affects voter perceptions. Um, The NYU Social Media Lab, again, a lot of great scholars working on this topic. Um, They've shown that uh, the average uh, voter, uh, or average citizen, I guess, in the US um, actually has a relatively moderate choice of uh, media outlets that they seek. Um, There's more cross dissemination on Twitter uh, across ideological divides than we would think, um, although it does depend on the group. Um, So, you know, it is true that uh, sometimes it's difficult for voters to seek out or understand information. But in both Brexit and the U.S. presidential election, um, you know, there was increased turnout compared to past years. So I think that that's less of a problem. I think what we need to focus on more is the fact that currently our gatekeepers are weak. Mm -hmm. Um, And the gatekeepers that I refer to are parties and the media. Um, One of the most prominent commentators on the US election, Julia Azari, um, said that the defining characteristic of the US political presidential campaign was that parties are weak while partisanship is very strong. And this is true. So parties, particularly the Republicans, did almost nothing to dispel the falsehoods that Trump was presenting. And frankly, um, they didn't have to. Uh, Partisanship, it's been shown now, was a huge predictor of voting in the elections. And the US is a case where it's very, very polarized. Um, So if you are going to vote for your party's candidate, no matter what, there's little chance you're ever going to switch sides, then it doesn't matter what the other side is saying. It's easier to ignore. On the media side, uh, this is challenging and this is going to be challenging for a long time to come because it used to be, uh, you know, the media was a gatekeeper. The media and, and good journalism helped fact check and help kind of cultivate the information that was out. Um, out in the world. But now there are new sources of information through Twitter, through Facebook, um, through a number of independent media sources. Um, and a lot of this information is uh, kind of self-cultivated by consumers. So there's not a lot of ways to to really tell what's, if what's being sent out is true or not. There's no, there not a lot of people keeping track. Um, Uh, In addition, media today is fueled primarily by advertising. Mm -hmm. Uh, Political untruths made great clickbait headlines, and those are what sells. So as long as we have this incentive structure in place, then there's no no incentive for the media to um, stop kind of promoting sensational uh, information. And also, the role of the media depends on the context. And we can see this when looking at the differences between the US and the UK. Um, in the US, um, most news sources are partisan, frankly. Um, even the news outlets that are the most objective, that are the most evidence-based, um, typically have a liberal slant. Um, you see this less in the UK um, because of the BBC. So the BBC is government-funded, it's more neutral, um, but even the BBC had issues during the Brexit campaign. Um, they often sacrifice truth uh, in the pursuit of balance. Mm-hmm. So in wanting to create panels that had experts from both the Leave and the Remain campaign, um, that's a good, a good goal in general, except that when most of the evidence overwhelmingly points to one side, take climate change, for example, then maybe we shouldn't have balanced panels. Um, And finally, what can be done to combat post-truth politics
0: and ensure that people are properly informed and have accurate information before they cast their
1: vote? So I think the first thing we need to do is be very aware of how information is dispersed in society, and in particular how that information shapes voters' beliefs. Um, Post-truth, it's a very catchy phrase, Um, it's been used a lot in the media, but really what it indicates is that we are in dangerous territory when it comes to things like political campaigns, and we need to be vigilant. Um, I think there are a number of things we can do. Um, First of all, protect independent sources of information. Mm -hmm. So help fund the media, help fund fact-checking organizations. Um, This has been shown to help. Help voters get access to information um, and also check those who would promote falsehoods. Um, Also, uh, it's important to have better policies regulating social media. Um, This is something that both Facebook and Twitter are dealing with right now. And it's not easy. uh, Balancing freedom of expression um, and freedom of speech on one hand with, uh, you know, the importance of presenting accurate information. Um, It's difficult, but I think it needs to be done. Um, stepping back also, I think, um, in societies in both contexts and across the world, we need to reemphasize education. Um, it's not just the information we receive, but we need to educate a new generation um, of students, particularly, how to accurately assess information that's presented on social media, because this is something um, that this generation faces that prior generations have not. Um, and finally, I think the most important thing that we can do is to speak up. Um, as long as the norm exists that politicians can lie with no consequence, it will continue to happen. Um, we need to make it costly for politicians, political elites, political parties to lie. And we need to hold these actors accountable. Um, this is something that obviously political elites should be doing um, but I think in conclusion this is something that every everyone should be doing. Each individual should be speaking out when they see false information spread um, and supporting the various institutions and outlets that help promote good information um, and this is something that each individual can do on a daily basis.
0: Great. Well, thanks very much, Sally, for joining
1: us. Thank you.